it's the ultimate perspective on life and sport like if you've played a horrible game or you've had a bad day or you want to do a sit in your sorrows and think about it and um, vent about it and like instead you come home and the kids are just like they don't care yeah and that has been the ultimate refresher sometimes when you just have that horrible game or a really bad practice and you just want to go um, sit down and lie down and you come home and instantly you just have to get off it because they need your attention and they need your energy. And I think that's a really healthy thing. And yeah, that's just, it's life-changing in that sense. It's just, you, you, your priorities just completely shift. This week on the Fit Parent Playbook, we sit down with Mitch McCarran, the esteemed Adelaide 36ers captain and former Australian captain, whose talent has made him a true NBL superstar. Mitch's remarkable qualities extend far beyond his on-court skills. He possesses a level of humility, professionalism, and maturity, which is well beyond his years. In this captivating discussion, we explore Mitch's journey from college basketball in the USA to his rise in the NBL. Beyond the court, we delve into his experiences in relationships, parenting, family dynamics, his love of Adelaide, and even an intriguing incident involving an illegal lasagna and being redshirted. As a young father, Mitch shares valuable lessons and insights, including tips for maintaining fitness and the importance of finding balance and perspective. Enjoy this remarkable story of Mitch McCarran, an exceptional athlete who embodies dedication and love for his family. He's an inspiring role model, both on and off the court. This week's episode is brought to you by Hot Valley Seltzer. Many of our guests have talked about how drinking less alcohol has been a huge part of getting their fitness back on track. Now, Hot Valley Seltzer is my personal secret to staying off the booze. It's a hop-infused seltzer that contains zero sugar, zero alcohol, and is entirely calorie-free. I love it because it gives me the feeling of having a nice cold beer without the alcohol or the calories. It's a refreshing beverage that can be enjoyed at all times by all ages. It's incredibly versatile as a mixer as well. They've partnered with us and they've given our listeners a 20% off code. Just use Playbook 20 on the Hot Valley website. Hot Valley Seltzer. Like us, they want to inspire healthy choices. Links are in the show notes. Now, back to the podcast. Uh, Jason. DK. How are you, mate? I'm really good, mate. Really good. Fantastic, mate. We've got another amazing guest today, Jason. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Before we get into our guest, just a real quick story, okay? One of our regular listeners, Jason, Scott, he listened to our After Effects podcast, right? And he had a shocking night with the kids. Mm -hmm. The next day, he had a networking day, which was going to be a boozy day. He assessed the day and he said, if I go to this networking day, one, I'm going to feel like rat shit. Two, I'm going to have to work on Saturday, which is going to affect my family life. So what's the worst thing that would happen if I didn't go to this networking day? Yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, a few people might be a little bit upset at me for a little while, but you know what? It's going to be better for me and my mm-hmm. family if I miss this day and I then don't have to work on Saturday. So we made a really, really good choice after listening to your After Effects podcast, Jase. So. Uh, our after Effects, DK. Yeah, our After Effects podcast, mate. Beautiful. So. Well done, Scotty. Yes, well done, Scotty. So, yes, Jace, another professional athlete we've got. No on. way. Yes, I can't do. believe it. Yeah, we do. And Is he? Uh, he's not a footballer or a runner, though, I hear. Uh, oh, you're kidding, aren't you? Uh, well, it is a bit of a surprise for you, DK. But, yes, it's not a footballer or a runner. 
We have with us the superstar basketballer, the captain of the uh, Adelaide 36ers. He's even captain the country, the Australian team. Well, but Jace, that, that is what we know about Mitch, right? But I've done a little bit of investigating about our guest, Jace. You know I like to do this, but here's what I'm not sure on. He is either the most perfect human <laughs> on the planet or he's a standover man working for the bikies. Well, that's what I reckon. <laughs> well, judging by the size of him, definitely uh, he could be that. Uh, How have you come up with this? Well, because all I've managed to dig up on this guy <laughs> is that he only drinks still water. He'll occasionally dabble in the sparkling stuff, mate. But on only the big on, nights. Yeah, on only the on the big nights. But uh, he likes his Japanese and Mexican candies. All right, random. And he likes to play a video game called Runscape. So that <laughs> is the worst anyone is willing to say about him. So they're either completely petrified of him or he is truly a great man, Jason. Oh, definitely a great man. And uh, it sounds like he's the ultimate professional, oh, DK. I, I agree, mate. Mitch McCarran, welcome to the podcast, mate. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me here. Beautiful. Now, bef- let's get into a little bit about your family before we learn about your amazing basketball career mate so tell us a bit about it yeah so uh the family consists of my wife abby um i've got two kids now uh oslo just turned two and cora is now four months which has just flown by to be honest um feels crazy to even say that so yeah that's my little family for now beautiful now jace we always see mitch walking the streets yep he's got a baby strapped to him He's pushing one in the pusher. He's, he might be in a croissant here or there. But, but <laughs> croissant? We'll, yeah, we'll, Usually. Yeah, we'll, we'll a bakery something. Yeah, but he's always out doing his fitness with his, yeah, uh, nice. with his family. Now, growing up for yourself, mate, was uh, basketball always a massive part of your life? Yeah, it was huge. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I s- essentially grew up in a basketball stadium. Uh, my mum and dad used to manage the basketball stadium in Alice Springs. Okay. Um, and so I was kind of didn't really have a choice. Um, they would take me there and I'd run around and shoot basketballs in bins or play with the people around the community or at the basketball stadium kind of just like uh, obviously things are a little bit different back then but yep. you know they'd just be like oh yeah you go off with that lady and then we'll see you later at the end of the day um so I was just used to hanging out with people at basketball and that kind of became a second home yeah what a way to grow up uh, I remember that as well like growing up at footy mm. clubs or whatever it doesn't seem to happen as much no these days so you obviously reckon that's been a huge impact on on the reason that you you went into basketball was there any other sports that you were interested in uh i enjoyed playing rugby league um that kind of came i mean my dad played rugby league um kind of locally um and my mum's side of the family uh they're from new south wales newcastle area so um they were pretty into it as well and they all played uh the men so I kind of grew up knowing all about it and watching a lot of it every week. Um, I played a little bit in school, but ultimately I think basketball was always the main draw. Yeah, so mum, New South Wales, dad, Queenslander, how did State of Origin uh, days go? Uh, so home. dad was actually from uh, Narromine okay. um, and Dubbo, so he was New South Wales as well. So yeah. um, I copped a lot from the family supporting Queensland growing up in Brisbane, but um, no, nah, it, was, it was good. It was always a competitive side. Yeah, beautiful. Now, 
So as you were growing up, do you have any brothers or sisters? I do. Um, yeah, little brother Curtis and uh, little sister Georgia. And were they ever into sports? Did they follow you through the basketball ranks? They did. Uh, yeah, same thing. They probably didn't really have much of a choice. Um, you know, it was kind of like, we're going to be there, so you might as well play. Um, so we all played representative at one point at the same time. Um, so that was pretty chaotic for my parents, as I'm sure lots of families still do to this day. You know, you drive, one's going to the Gold Coast, one's going to Toowoomba, one's going to the Sunny Coast, just trying to figure it out every mm. weekend. Um, so that was hectic for them. But yeah, we were in love with it. Yeah. And then um, as you transitioned and you, and you grew up, you went to college in the States. Um, before that, was, what was your sort of representative career like through the Australian leagues? Uh, yeah. So uh, essentially, I, I made my first state team at under 16s. Um, I mean, under 12s, but that's you know, a little different. Under 16s and then under 18s. Um, and then I got invited to a, a national camp. Um, and then you basically trial to make all these different kind of tournaments uh, to represent Australia at the junior level, which is awesome. I was fortunate enough to make those. Um, and then there's the Under-19 World Cup, which is kind of the, I, I guess you would say, the pinnacle tournament of juniors, um, especially for us. So I was fortunate enough to get on that roster as well, um, went to the World Cup, and then um, after that we all headed off to college or started playing pro or, or whatever it was. And how did you make it to the college? Did someone approach you or did you have to reach out to them? Yeah, it's a pretty lengthy process. Um, again, it's all changed since I was coming through now. Um, but uh, when I was about 15, I want to say, so even just finishing under 16s, um, I got an email from a college coach who just said, hey, we've got our eye on you. Um, you know, we, we, we think you've got some talent and some potential. Just wanted to touch base and get a contact. Um, and then over the years, you, you stay in more contact. And if you continue, uh, continue to develop, you know, they'll mm. send an email out or they'll send a, they want a phone call. And then you can organize official visits, um, yeah. which have rules around them. Um, you know, you go over to the States and like you might go to five colleges and you just spend five or six days just going college, 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 um, and then come home and make a decision on where you want to go. So um, I never did. I, I did. I visited one college, um, but it turned out that uh, all of those offers kind of fell through or they didn't follow through with official offers. And it wasn't until the very last minute that I, that I got a scholarship offer. And how, how long are those scholarships for? So how long do you spend playing college basketball? Um, <clears throat> so you have like a college shot clock, I think we call it. Um, and essentially you've got in basketball, you've got four years of eligibility. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, ideally you're there, you get your degree done in four years. Some people extend that to five, there's ways to do that. But, um, yeah, four years is traditional. And cool. what was your degree that you actually, uh, so I was a sports industry operations major, um, essentially just the business of sports, the, the media, um, and then a little bit of, um, facility operations, etc. Um, and then I minored in marketing, which, um, I actually loved, um, way more than I thought I would. Um, I took some sports marketing classes and some green marketing classes and I had an incredible lecturer. Um, so yeah, I had, I had a great time doing those. Now college life in the States, we haven't managed to dig up any dirt on you here in Australia. So surely you were a party boy. There was something naughty you did in the States. <laughs> I'm a bit boring. Um, yeah, that's why there's no dirt. I don't do anything. Um, no, nah, we had a, a really good time. Metro State, the university that I was at, um, is a little bit different. It's, it's a bit of a community campus. Um, so we share campus with uh, two other colleges. Uh, and, it, and it's not your traditional, you know, college movie yeah. Uh, base you know there's not all these frat houses and you know it, it's it's a lot older no american pie mate uh, <laughs> none of that um 
you know, there's young students there, obviously, but there's a lot of older students too coming back to study, um, managing full-time jobs, managing kids, managing families. It's not your traditional 18, 19-year-old just trying to drink and party all the time. So, um, you know, you got to meet a lot of cool people because of that, but it, it also didn't really have that vibe to the college either. And how'd you go being away from your family? You said that they're obviously an integral part of your life mm-hmm. and now you're, you're shipped off and you're away from them for four years. How'd that go? Yeah, it was... Um, it was I say I gotta say this the right way, but it was awesome. Um, I was I think I was craving that independence and that responsibility. Um, at that age, I was just ready for an adventure. Um, I'd been at the AIS for a year um, before I went to university, and I enjoyed it, but it was also not the most positive mm. environment for me individually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was excited to go into something new. And when I signed the college scholarship, I was like, man, this is everything I've asked for. You know, I can I can play basketball for a living. Don't have to worry about money. I've got a scholarship and um, yeah, I was excited. I mean, I cried getting on the plane because it's not easy leaving family mm. and, and moving overseas. But I think I, like a minute later, I just started smiling too because it was it was everything I wanted. So good. Mm. So what what ages were you over there for? Uh, I left when I was nineteen, so nineteen, mm, 19 to twenty three. Yeah. I believe. And while you were there, did you come back here to visit every yeah. year? <clears throat> every year. Um, yeah. In, well, what would what would there be summer break? Yeah. Um, so yeah, come back for Australian winter every year for a couple of months. Yeah, right. Um, make usually, it a lot the, easier. Yeah, it does. Those trips started getting smaller though. Um, yeah. I just wanted to get back. But, yeah, yeah, cool. And how did your parents go? Were they missing you a lot? Your mother in particular? Yeah, um, they definitely did. Um, uh, I'm I'm really close with both of them, obviously. But um, yeah, I think my dad also struggled a fair bit. Um, you know, he wanted to be around it, and and both of them really wanted to be. Um, around and supporting and uh, my first year in college was hard um, because I got what was called red shirted um, but essentially like disqualified from playing in the first year why is that uh, well, here's where, here's where the dirt comes in. Um, no, I, I told I, you I'd get there, Jace. It's <laughs> taken me 48 phone calls, but I've, I've, we're here. I broke uh, some rules. There's, there's a lot of um, misunderstanding, I suppose, around eligibility rules. And again, that has all changed now that, you know, athletes getting paid in college but um back then you weren't allowed any benefits before college so you couldn't earn any money through basketball uh you couldn't have anything provided so meals nothing so like if you had a lasagna like there was a famous story in brisbane about a kid that was given a lasagna (laughs) after a game as like a benefit and when you're applying for college you've got like a checklist to fill out did you receive this did you receive this and he put lasagna as like Oh, you know, I got given a lasagna. Oh now, God. obviously, you shouldn't have put that, mate. But, <laughs> but they they redshirted him for that, which is wild. Um, so like, I got redshirted because I played in a competition that that was technically I wasn't supposed to play in, even though I didn't get paid. There were other professionals, um, so they punished me for that. So I'm I didn't play my first year. The whole year, the whole year. To, just had to, right. had to train. So right. I really only got three years of playing. Okay, so why did you go and play in this competition? What, what was the well, they didn't tell me until I got there. They're smart. Um, so the, the college appealed it. Um, but, um, yeah, the, the NCAA board said no, once I was already over there. Um, and I could have left, but, um, I don't know, the way I was raised was, was very much like, no, like you made this decision for these reasons and, mm. um, don't just quit, stick it out and see what happens. So I, I did get better, um, throughout that year and, um, got stronger, got older um, but I think just playing in, in the NCAA at the time was really good for me. Um, the college had a, a large history of Australians that had gone there and become better players and gone on to play for our country. I mean, guys like Mark Worthington, David Barlow, Luke Kendall, Jesse Wagstaff. Um, I mean, there's so many names if you go down the list. Um, 
And so I looked at those names and I said, geez, like they're playing for our Olympic team and they went to a division two college. That's got to be good for me too. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good opportunity to go over there and have fun. Yeah. And uh, when you finished your time in college, were you guaranteed that you were going to be a professional basketballer or you went to Spain obviously afterwards, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, was there any guarantee or were you still on a, a bit of a wing and a prayer? Yeah, it's not, nothing's guaranteed. Um, especially cause Metro state is a division two college. There's a little bit of a stigma, uh, around, you know, it's not division one. So really how good is he, you know, he's not playing against division one athletes. So is he that good or does he just look good against weaker competition? Um, I have a really good agent, um, and he was able to help me kind of go in the right direction. I still lean on him heavily in terms of direction now. Um, so he was kind of saying there were some offers back in Australia to start up with teams, but, um, he was really like, no, like we're going to go to this, uh, competition in Spain. You're not going to get paid very much. Mm. Um, but it's going to be good for you later and it's going to be good for you now to adjust to pro life. You're going to be on a really good team. You're going to learn a lot and play with some good players. And he was 100% right. Yeah, okay. It was hard to trust that decision, especially after you've just been red-shirted um, and then to take the advice of, of someone. It's very, very difficult. Um, thankfully, uh, I did. Uh, but I think after the three years, and um, I mean, this is not a brag, it's just like I, I got named National Player of the Year, so my confidence was pretty high yeah. um, in Division Two. So I'm coming out and I'm thinking, I, I believe that I can play at a pro level. I know lots of guys in the pro league and I think I can compete with them in Australia. Um, but his advice was kind of like, I'm not happy with the offers coming out of Australia. And I don't mm-hmm. think they're really respecting you as a player or where your skill level's at. I think they're taking the division two thing for granted. Um, so let's go over here. Yeah. Um, and he said, don't worry about money. Money will come later. Like put the work in now, do the right thing, choose the right team. Um, so at this time, like, you know, you come out of college, you haven't earned any money for four years. Mm. All you've done is spent money to fly back home. Mm. Um, you can't even have a lasagna. Can't have a lasagna, yeah. mate. Um, so like it's, it sucks, but, um, you know, I think some guys come out of there and just, I just want money and I'll just mm. sign the first deal that mm. puts money in my bank account. Um, but thankfully, yeah, I, I trusted in him and, and it paid off. Beautiful. Then you came back to Australia. Um, your offer came through and, uh, you were happy with that. Yeah, really happy. Um, Signed in Cairns for two years. Um, I actually signed in Townsville, but uh, the the club folded, the Townsville Crocs, uh, right after I signed, which sucked. Um, So, yeah, I went to Cairns uh, for two years, which was an awesome experience. Uh, I played with another great coach and and lots of great guys on the team, so I learned a lot up there as well. Yeah, and so your wife wife now, she's American. Did you meet her over in the States? I did. Um, So how old were you when you met her? Uh, we met freshman year. Um, the way that the college classes were set up uh, at Metro, you took like a lot of the athlete, freshman athlete, first year athletes played, uh, uh, they went to the same classes. So they'd put all athletes together in, in some kind of initiative to help each other out or whatever. Um, so we met uh, pretty early on. Um, so yeah, we, we became official girlfriend, boyfriend, uh, Facebook official, was it back then? <laughs> Facebook official was yeah, this, was, was second the year, second okay. year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And she was into sports as well or what's her background? Yeah. So Abby is a really good soccer player. Um, she yeah. was an all American, um, really talented, uh, could have played pro, um, chose not to, but, um, I mean, I'm a little biased, but I still think, you know, if she had a, had a good pre-season of prep she could still play at a really good level in this country as well so what was her reasoning by not turning pro or not not going on with it uh yeah it's i think it's a really tough one especially for and i'm glad this is changing but especially for for some of the women coming out of of some of the sports leagues especially in in ncaa like you have to make a choice like how much money am i going to earn 
where can I go? What are my options? You know, do you want to go to a country that you don't know a lot about and you don't have friends mm. and, and everything? Or do you get a job and lock it down? Um, and I think that's, that's a decision that a lot of uh, women have to face in soccer too, coming out of college, because it's like, how realistic is it that I get a full-time wage mm. that I can comfortably live off through soccer? Um, and she got offered, a, she actually went and became an au pair in Mallorca. Okay. Uh, for a family out there through wow. a connection so she had a great time there and then she got a full-time job back in america working with the university actually our university yeah. um in the athletics department so she decided to take that road instead um hmm. and then when she moved to melbourne um we had some time apart in after college so we split up yeah um and then we got back together she moved to melbourne when i signed in melbourne okay. um and so she how, how long was that break for then three years okay and how hard was that on you uh, it was hard, but um, it was a bit of a weird one um, because we stayed in touch the whole time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you always feel like you were going to get back together? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we both did. Um, we were just trying to work the right time. I mean, I was very adamant. Like, I wanted to make sure she wanted to move and it wasn't me saying, you come follow me because I need to mm. go here. Um, and again, like, she was doing her thing and I was pushing her to play soccer, to be honest. I was saying, you should play soccer. Yeah. And, and see where that takes you but um finally i think she said I, I don't really love the job that i'm in and i think i want to try you know mm. doing this again so it'd be uh, pretty so. hard wouldn't it like going from different countries different Absolutely. states mm -hmm. constantly and then trying to maintain a pretty sort of like new relationship when you're young yeah what's mm. was the split because you moved to australia and she didn't want to move yeah i think we just um like college life is very yeah, obviously depending where you are but like it can be very routine based and you know you get your schedule and um in the first year of college we lived at the same dorms um yeah. so it was as simple as just going over to the other tower and seeing each other um and then she moved out and, and same thing i didn't have a car over there or anything so the onus was a lot on her i don't have any money for ubers or anything <laughs> like that so the onus was on her to come pick me up all the time and um you know like you really had to towards the end of college we really had to make efforts around our schedule to see each other versus the beginning where it was kind of as simple as just going over into the other room um and then soccer ends uh in the first semester you know basketball plays through to the end of second semester mm -hmm. so abby's school actually finished in the first semester of our senior year and she finished all her classes too so she technically graduated and finished mm -hmm. sport so she then had this like six month period where i was playing basketball absolutely loving my final year of basketball and we we're doing really well and she had nothing to do wow. and she was stuck in this period of like i don't know what to do for work i don't know what i'm doing for soccer you're still here working and studying i can't really go anywhere um and i don't really know do i move on with my life or you know and that was really tough for mm. her geez that would have been really hard on her hey? mm -hmm. like mm. especially as you're saying like she could have been a professional athlete 100%. she didn't get the opportunities that that you did and all of a sudden you're you've moved to australia Wow, that would have been really, really hard on her. I think we forget how tough it can be on the partners mm -hmm. of, of professional athletes. Definitely. Yeah. So she, so you moved to Melbourne, and she was already there. No, so she, she moved. Um, she to was meet back you. in America. Right. Yeah, so she was working in America, I think, in uh, San Francisco at the uh -huh. time. And um, <clears throat> why well, I, I was in, <laughs> I finished with Cairns, mm. and I signed in Slovenia. So I was in Slovenia for three months. Um, three months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the NBL season finishes typically in like yeah. February and European leagues run until the end of May sometimes. So um, if your team doesn't do well, the silver lining is that you can go pick up a contract elsewhere for three months in right. Europe. 
Um, so we didn't do that well that year with Cairns. We finished in February and I signed in Slovenia. So um, I went over there and her brother was playing soccer um, in Germany. So she was like, well, I'm going to be here and you're going to be here. And this is what I mean. Like we yeah. saw each other in Cairns. We saw each other in Spain. Yeah, yeah. We saw each other in Slovenia. We always stayed in touch. So um, yeah, we kind of had some good discussions there about what do we want to do. And I said, look, I think I'm going to sign in Melbourne. Um, and I said, like, and we both said, like, do you want to just do this? Like, you know, we've basically been talking for the last three years and mm -hmm. we're meant to be apart. So, um, yeah, we might as well just do it. So we moved to Melbourne together. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. Now we get into what we're really here for, mate. You had your children in yes. Melbourne. Yes. You had, did. You, first, you had yep. Oslo in Oslo in Melbourne. Yep. In Melbourne. And then you made a decision to come and sign with the Adelaide 36ers. First of all, talk us through um, the pregnancy with Oslo and how hard that would have been on Abby because she, you know, obviously had no parental support here. Mm -hmm. Your parents were still in Brisbane at the time? Yes, yeah, parents were in Brisbane. Yeah, so it's just the two of you? Yep. Uh, and you're pregnant and you're a professional athlete. Tell yeah. us what changes. Um, yeah, wow. The, <clears throat> that time period um, was so crazy because, uh, and so many other people have been through it now just with COVID. Um, I mean, technically... So starting from the beginning, I got, um, I was in isolation. Um, so I got told I had COVID and this was early on in the scene. Like, I don't think many people knew other people that had COVID now. It's just, you know, you got COVID. Yeah. But at the time everyone was kind of freaking out and, um, somehow it got through to a basketball circle. It got through our team training and all of us got, or most of us got COVID yeah. And it wasn't, you know, there'd been one AFL case, I think, at this point, And that was all over the news. And this guy's infected. And um, now, you know, we had just been... And I was one of the first ones to show a positive test. So um, I was in isolation in the room. And Abby had the rest of the house for 17 days. And I think midway through that point, um, Abby goes, oh, come outside. And we were, like, keeping our distance. Um, and then she, like, showed me the test and said, oh, oh I'm oh, pregnant. No. And I was oh. like, it's an actual COVID baby. Um <gasps> So that's that crazy. Was, so you couldn't even give your partner no. a cuddle or a kiss and <laughs> she say, wouldn't congratulate. Have, she wouldn't allow the germs. Yeah, um, that's probably fair enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, wow, what a way to find out that you're going to be a father for the first time. It was like it was funny looking back because it was amazing. Like it was awesome yeah. news. I was so happy, but I was cooked. Like I was so sick. So I was also like my reaction was just nothing. Like it was just like plain faced. And she was like, "Oh, great! Like yeah. thanks." Yeah, so yeah. Like, no, no, I'm excited. Um, so yeah, we spent that uh, nine months basically in isolation. Um, mm -hmm. so we couldn't, we applied for some, to try and get her mom out here from America, but that was no good. Um, we couldn't have my family come down either really, cause then that gets stuck and yeah. neither of them could leave work for a long period of time. So we kind of did the whole thing ourselves and thankfully we had some great friends in Melbourne and, and teammates and partners that were awesome too. Yeah. And how did Abby cope with that? Like being in isolation and pregnant, that would have been pretty terrible. Really, really tough. Um, so we had our wedding canceled cause we were supposed to go technically earlier that year and yeah. go get married over in Mallorca and kind of do a mini trip. Um, and we had the families coming together and we don't often get them together, obviously being from two different countries. So, um, it was, that was hard in itself. Having that whole thing canceled, we decided to just get married because we didn't want to, that was really the whole reason we were doing it. We didn't want to push our wedding back three years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was hard for her to swallow that. And then it was really hard to do the first pregnancy without her mum too, yeah. I think. Um, she was really excited about her mum being a part of that. Um, we do home births, so um, she, her mum had all four at home and I think she really wanted to do the same. She wanted her to have her mum there for that. Um, yeah. And having no family around meant that it was just going to be us and the midwife, which um, was like a little bit daunting when we were first mm. talking about it, but it, I'm glad we did it. 
no, mm. yep. before we get into that, because I'm pretty keen to hear about the mm-hmm. home birth, um, you, you're a professional athlete. Abby's really into her fitness as well. How did you remain fit? Nine months, isolation, pregnant, partner. Talk us through it. What did you do? There's got to be some tips and tricks in there for people out there. Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, we, uh, we, you just had to find a way. It was a really weird time, to be honest, because, again, like... It, when you're an athlete or, you know, when you're exercising, you've got your routine and you stick yeah. and you guys know, like you've got your routine and your schedule and you just need to keep on it. And, and sometimes like one disruption just throws you off mentally. Yeah. Um, so for us, like we were allowed to train. We had an exemption, yeah. not, at, not at the early part. At the early part, they said nothing. So stay How home. long was that for? I reckon a solid... At least six weeks, wasn't it? At least six to eight weeks. Because yeah. I know Melbourne was a lot more yeah. full on than here. And, and there were no exemptions. Yeah. Like unless you're an Olympic, some, prepping for an Olympics or <laughs> a World Cup, nothing. Um, and so for me, who is used to... Like if I, if I don't play basketball for a week, I'm itchy. You know, yeah. like I'm sitting at home, like I'm wasting my time. Um, so that was really tough for me. Um, but it was also tough, obviously, for Abby, who likes to get out and run. And um, I mean, that girl can run forever. So... Um, you know, we just tried to stay, you're allowed to exercise and walk. Um, so we just tried to get out and do that as much as we can, um, within the rules. And then we were allowed to come back and, and do like 30 minute box of training once clean down, don't touch anyone else, have your own balls. Oh. It was, it was it super is weird. It's so bizarre when you super. look back at it now, isn't it? Yeah. Like the whole, yeah, the restrictions and so forth. Yeah. But so you've had the home birth, any problems with it? No. no. Uh, There's a lot of females that listen to this podcast, mate, so they would like, actually love to hear a little bit about the home birth and okay. how that differs. Yeah, look, uh, like I need to be careful because I'm not uh, you know, medically certified to, <laughs> uh, to, to give advice. Um, but I would say if you are cleared and um, if you believe that you're a person that can do that and, and is comfortable with that, I'd recommend it. Okay. Um, we absolutely loved it. When Abby first told me about it, I was kind of like nervous. I'm not as much of a risk taker per se, and, and I sh- it's not a risk. It's the same as in a hospital, if anything. Um, but I was kind of like, I just didn't know anything about it. I wasn't educated on the home birth. I, I didn't know. Um, whereas she was a lot more comfortable and, and did her research, and um, I'm so glad we did it. Um, so we, Abby's labor ended up being about 36 hours. Um, so he flipped kind of oh. halfway through. Um, and that obviously stalled. Um, mm. so we thought we were going, I had a game on the Monday night. So she kind of started going Monday afternoon and I had a game on the Monday night mm. and she was like, no, nah, I'm not going to go. Like it's my first one. So yeah. like go play. So I went and played and then I drove back home and things were progressing and I was like, good, perfect. And then he flipped. Uh, and so Tuesday was just stall, pure stall. Yeah. Um, so that was like. 1000 laps around our living room just doing whatever like crawling getting in the shower getting out um and then wednesday morning um we had uh her waters broken because they still hadn't broken so we called the midwife um and the midwife wasn't there for the majority of the time so she was kind of like look if you're stalling there's no point me being here um i'll leave you to be um so it was a really cool experience for us to go through together Mm, um uh, and yeah and then wednesday morning we said can you break her waters please and she did and then within the hour she was pushing and um yeah we had our little boy so crazy so incredible so experience whereabouts is there like they bring a bath to the no nah, um, just kitchen floor yeah everyone's different um obviously like some like water um abby ended up just doing it on basically on the uh couch 
Okay. Um, so yeah, we just had all the mats down and I mean, it's gruesome to talk about. We had all the mats down, so desensitized, yeah. um, all the towels down and everything like that. And, um, yeah, we just did it on the end of the couch and, um, I don't think she was planning on doing it on her back, but that's just mm. how it ended up happening. Wow. Cool. Awesome. And then had you had the chat about if I've got a game tonight, am I going to miss the birth? Was that ever an option for you? Cause that's a, something that professional athletes, mm. they have to deal with, like they may... <laughs> Have to miss a game. It's funny because that um, Cora's birth, our second, is a, is a lot more dramatic in that sense. But um, the first one, I was like, well, look, I won't play. Yeah. I mean, John Kane Arena was like 20 minutes from our house probably. So I wasn't too worried. And it was like still a bit of COVID. So like I wasn't worried about traffic or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so it, it was fine. Uh, she said she was really confident that she wasn't going to go um, in that time period. And, and I mean it's probably like a four to five hour span of when you know i drive we prep we finish the game we get home um so she was confident she was going to go when i trusted in that and, and she was fine um i mean yeah so it ended up being she probably wouldn't have given birth even if she didn't stall till like late monday night so it would have been okay yeah cool and then um so you had your second in melbourne as well or? in adelaide. No, sorry in adelaide so let's let's talk us through that so you've signed with the adelaide 36s on a big deal um, how was Abby feeling about moving to Adelaide? Pro- obviously wouldn't have quite had the hype of Melbourne. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny who you talk to though, um, because, and I'm so glad we did. Um, I mean, we love Melbourne, obviously like there's that, that, that year that was rough cause of COVID, but yeah. like, like we absolutely love it here. Like, I mean, we're, we're, even if we have to leave and sign away, um, to finish my career, like we're going to come back and, and probably set up here for life. Okay. Um, so we, we love it here. We've met so many good people. Mm. And, um, when we were, when we signed with Adelaide, um, some people were kind of like, Oh, like, why are you doing that? Like, why are you leaving Melbourne for Adelaide? There's nothing there. Yeah. And then you talk to anyone that has lived here or yeah. spent considerable time here. They're all like, mate, great decision. You're going to love it there. Don't um, tell anyone. There could be interstaters <laughs> listening. I mean, stay away. Stay away. <laughs> what, what do you love about it? Like, what stands out? Um, it reminds me of, and you please correct me if I'm wrong, but it reminds me of like the Brisbane that I grew up in when mm. I was younger. Um, it's like obviously, a, you know, a main city of the yeah. state. Um, but it has a smaller vibe to it. It's relatively easy to get around and um, it's got that kind of community feel to it, especially yeah. in, in the area that we're in now. Um, and Brisbane now is just so different and I yeah. still love Brisbane, um, but it's just the city has changed so much. It's crazy. Every time I go back, I'm like, what the heck? Um, so here it just reminds me of that kind of smaller town vibe yeah. um, and I love it. You come here on a big deal, as I said, um, become a captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, you win a championship. Then become captain. Yep. Uh, talk us through um, that transition as well. So you're a father, captain, championship, move states, <laughs> all happening in one hit. Yeah, it was. Um, it's extremely stressful, um, but it's also like the like the ultimate highs of the industry, I suppose, or the job. You know, like winning a championship is is everything you can ask for. And um, fortunately, I got um, a good offer to come here to Adelaide, and and I was excited about that. We were excited about that. Um, we had a lot of planning to do and how we were going to do that because there was this down period of when I needed to be in Adelaide and when I was leaving Melbourne. So um, we went back up to Brisbane, spent some time with family. Um, and yeah, obviously we have a dog as well. So, um, you know, we had to figure that out, what we were doing with him, bringing him, leaving him. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of planning as anyone has to do when they move house. Um, you just got to work in some pretty short time frame sometimes in, in basketball when you sign a contract and they say, we need you here now, you got to figure it out. Yeah. And so how do you manage it now? Talk us through like a day in the life 
of you, say a training day, for instance, and, and also take into what Abby has to do for you to be able to, to train the way you do? Uh, so the typical day would be uh, I get up. I can usually help with breakfast a little what bit. What time do you get up? Man? Uh, seven. Yeah. Um, yeah, seven usually. Um, and the kids are up then or kids sleep in a little bit. Um, so they might go to seven 30. Um, but then sometimes they're up at six, six 30, whatever, whatever they want. Um, and then usually I'll get up, I'm able to help a little bit and then, uh, shower, go to weights, um, which usually starts at around eight 39, depending on our schedules. But, um, and then we'll go straight from weights to practice, um, which starts at about 10. Yep. Um, and then we'll go from 10 till 12 or 1230. Um, and then if you have like a promo or uh, a media thing, you'll go from practice to that. So say we're going to a school, um, we'll finish at 1230. We'll be at the school by one. We'll do the promo one till three. And then typically your day's done. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you come home and help out from there. Yeah. So obviously that means Abby's got the kids from 730 or eight till, uh, three, um, and then I'll come home, uh, yeah, usually help out all afternoon, take them on a walk. Um, and usually that allows Abby to then go do Pilates or walk herself or run herself or get a workout in. Um, we're pretty big on, and I think I've grown to appreciate, um, the importance of going and getting that workout, um, for her. Um, and how, what do you you notice if she doesn't get that workout in? Uh, I think I can appreciate it from like an athlete standpoint where it's like physically you just feel better having done something or mentally too, I suppose. Um, Like when when you've had a few days where you haven't been able to go get out and do a workout. Um, But I've noticed that she um, is obviously more stressed. Um, She feels like she's got things to do that she hasn't gotten done. Um, Everything kind of becomes harder. Um, and I think it's just cause you, you need that mental break, you know, you need to break the circuit and we talk about it all the time with our kids. Like we just need, we need a circuit break and we need to change what we're doing right now to just mm. shift their attention and, and energy. Um, and it's the same for us. We're no different. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you communicate that with Abby? Do you guys regularly chat about your parenting and about, you know, your exercise and what you're doing? Yeah. All the time. Um, I think early on it was a real struggle for her because she just didn't have the choice and we didn't have the flexibility um just because of the way that um when Oslo was born like I was away a lot and we get stuck on the road because of the COVID rules so we'd fly to Brisbane play the game and then we'd be in the locker room they'd be like yeah we can't go home Melbourne said you can't come back so um and like this is not uncommon for the sporting teams at the time but just for us in our situation like no family support um in Melbourne and Abby's there with Oslo so he was on her a lot you Mm. know 24 7 really do you have any support here now at all? We do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thankfully, we've met, we've met so many great yeah. people. Um, our next door neighbors are just the best. And um, yeah, so it's different now. And I yeah. think we've grown to, you know, ch- change how we're doing some things. But at the time, you just don't have a choice. So Abby's holding Oslo probably 23 of the 24 hours a day. Didn't want to sleep on his own. Had to be connected to the body. Um, so that was a real war for her. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure like she was obviously frustrated at times and she just wants to get 30 minutes to go walk and breathe and yeah. be free. And just be by itself. Eh? 100% just yeah. think. And what about like becoming a parent and being an athlete? Like what have you had to change? Um, it might be, you know, going to bed early or something or what have you had to sacrifice to um, maintain both? Uh, yeah, you have to sacrifice what you want to do uh, in your own time, I mm. think is the biggest one. We're both people that, 
we, we like we're social people we like yeah. hanging out with everybody and we like seeing our friends and going out for dinner and we love that but we also both really appreciate quiet time um and having moments to ourselves um and i think especially during covid in melbourne like we'd even make sure we got that you know you're spending all day together in the same house and rather than get over frustrated with just being around each other it's like well i've seen you a lot in the last five days like we both want to be out doing working yeah. we both want to be out exercising so you know we'd both go to a different room and sit there for an hour and just do our thing um so i think that was probably the biggest change for me mm. uh, as an athlete you're just used to having your schedule you know when before kids you'd go to practice you come home abby would be at work till five i'd come home i'd have lunch no rush i'd have a shower um I'd play video games. I'd yeah. do whatever I wanted to until Abby got home. We'd make some dinner. Maybe we'd go out. Maybe we'd see a friend. You get in bed, you watch Netflix. Like that just all got changed you yeah. know, when you have a kid. And, and you guys know it's just not, um, it's not as simple as that. You come it's home, gone. everything's rushed. You know, yeah. you quick take this one so I can take, yeah, it's just, it's different. And how have you found like your diet? Has that been affected with having kids? Like, as you said, it's come home, you don't get an hour to prepare food. It's like, I'm just mm -hmm. going to scoff down whatever I can eat before I have to look after the kids. So Abby can go for a walk or whatever. Like, yeah. How has that affected? Yeah, it's been a struggle and, and a struggle for Abby too, obviously. Um, you know, she likes to cook and cook, you know, certain foods that she likes. I was a little less picky. Um, whereas I thought, you know, it was really hard for Abby because she'd be like, I really just want to make eggs. And, you know, maybe you can't do that. So she, and she doesn't want to eat, you know, the processed thing that maybe I'm eating and I'm okay with eating. And I just got to go burn off a fair bit off and she didn't. So she's conscious of that. Um, I found, uh, I started to really pay more attention to how I felt to certain foods though. Um, you know, because I was getting so tired and you are like just cooked at the end of the day, you know, like when you, that's probably another adjustment that I should have mentioned. And obviously all parents know, like you get to the end of the day, sometimes you're like, man, I'm just so tired. You can feel that. And I never used to feel that. I've always been a night owl. Um, I stayed up till midnight, 1am before I go to bed. Uh, I get six, six hours sleep max or seven hours sleep and I'm completely fine. I don't need more than that. So um, after having kids though, like you get to the nighttime when they're actually down, you're like, goodness me, I'm tired. <laughs> um, so that was a unique feeling for me. Um, so I, that in itself made me kind of think about like, what am I eating? How am I reacting to that? Uh, how does it make me feel? Um, and what foods have you cut out that you've, and what changes have you noticed? Uh, okay. So I, I used to be an avid Pepsi and Coca-Cola drinker, um, drink a lot of soft drink. I don't drink alcohol. I never have. Um, but I used to drink way too much soft drink as in like full sugar yeah coke. oh yeah. yeah right the good stuff um <laughs> but uh stopped doing that slowly um kind of cut back on that and then eventually i think last early last year um i started to kind of put some research into um what i was eating as well not just drinking because i started to notice once i cut the soft drinks out i felt so much better yeah. and my energy levels were so much more consistent and I, I was like this is crazy like I, I didn't believe it like how much were you having like what two three liters was that what you were having instead of water uh yeah i mean i used to, i i like drinking water that wasn't really the issue yeah. it was just like i'd have a glass of water and a glass of pepsi so um it kind of just became anytime i come home i'd always have a bottle in the fridge yeah. and i stopped doing that that was kind of the first adjustment i was like stop buying soft drink for home if i was going out for dinner i'd have one but i would never have it at home, at home in the fridge yeah. and that made a big difference and then when i cut out having it outside and i just stuck to water um but then I, also you have that craving it was like oh maybe i'll get a milk or maybe i'll get a juice it's still you know a lot of it was just sugar crap anyway so mm. um once i just started drinking only water like i really noticed my energy levels were so much more consistent 
Um, so then when I looked into the food as well, I kind of got into a little bit of carnivore diet. Um, I'm not strict on that right now because I don't really have the time. Yeah. <laughs> and um, with our kids, I also want them eating um, and not think, you know, not kind of learning from me that I only eat one thing. Um, so um, I'm not as strict with that, but I definitely see myself in the future just being strict carnivore diet. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty interesting, isn't it, James? How, how, like, so you do it most of the time, even like while you're playing games and that, you find your recovery and your energy levels. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, I don't, I try not to eat carbs on game day. Yeah. Um, and I don't eat well, well, well before the game. So yeah. I, I try to play on an empty stomach and I right. feel much better. Yeah. Right. And what about during the game? There's no like Gatorade or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. I don't drink Gatorade. Pure water. Yeah. Pure water. Yeah. Cool. So how long before a game would you stop eating? Like you, you, you play fasted. Yeah. Um, so essentially I'll eat in the morning. It depends on the game time, but, um, say we play at seven o'clock if, if that's your typical game time. Um, I won't, I'll have, I won't really have breakfast. I'll have, we'll do our shoot around in the morning at like 10 or 11 AM. And then I'm, I'll try and eat quickly then. And then I don't, I try to avoid food until game time. Um, if we have a game at like 2 PM, I won't eat that day. Right. Until dinner. And what about after? Uh, yeah, I usually eat, uh, pretty soon after that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not always starving after games. Like usually I'm, I need a little bit of time before I can eat. Um, but I just feel so much better. Yeah, good. And that's only been the last couple of years that you've done that? Yeah, probably the last 12 months um, I did that properly. Um, played around with it a little bit the first year. Um, and it seems weird to kind of be saying that because it's like, you know, this is my job and I don't want to be playing around with things. But at the same time, like I noticed quickly, I felt so much better. Mm. And I just always grew up on the mindset that if I haven't eaten a meal before the game, I won't have enough energy. And it's, yeah, I found the complete yeah. opposite. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. So did you did you get that from somewhere or someone? or? Yeah, just following... Um, a few fasting things, mm. uh, I mean, on YouTube and listening to a few people talk about it. Um, and I'm a bit of a skeptic with that stuff. So I was kind of like, look, I'll keep watching and try little bits at a time. Um, but um, yeah, the more I found that I controlled that stuff and I, um, yeah, the empty stomach thing was the biggest revelation thing. Yeah. Like I, 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 then when I had a game and I ate before just because I, yeah. for whatever reason, I was like, oh, I'll eat, I'll be fine. I felt so lethargic. It's um, a weird mentality we all have, isn't it? Like, oh, we got to eat three hours. I haven't eaten since breakfast right. and it's yeah. two o'clock and I'm starving. Whereas, you know, back a couple of hundred years ago, we'd, we'd go days yeah. without right. eating. Right. Yeah. But we've just adapted to this Western yeah. side. Well, that, that's the theory as well. And I suppose that's one <coughs> thing that this podcast is all about. And what me and Jace are trying to get across to people is you've got to try something like yeah. at, like don't just stick to what we've been told like that food pyramid like it's mm. bullshit that's yeah, what, it's, what, it's what, so, yeah, what, so wrong what, what we were told but you know that works for you right the yeah. carnival diet it might not work yeah, yeah. for someone else but you don't know that unless you give it a mm. crack and try it so yeah. um look if it's good enough for the captain of the Adelaide 36 mm. just to give something a try and, and i mean this in all honesty so give you, something uh, a try mid-career DK. Look out, mate. I'm going to be carnival next week. <laughs> from, from vegan veggio to uh, carnival. Yeah, vegan veggio to complete Come carnival on, in a week. I'll give it a crack. Would you? Uh, mm. Probably not. No, no, no. no, no, no. I'm, I'm open to giving anything a crack. Oh. But, but again, like I've found something that works for me, Mitch. Right. My, my, my diet is yeah. odd and it's strange, but it works works for me. So, yeah. And yeah, if people out there are listening, try something that works for you. Pick a diet. Listen to a podcast I'll, about it. Give it a crack. It's one hundred percent right, though. I don't, I, there's nothing that's right for everyone. There's no diet. There's yeah. nothing. No technique. 
yeah. for everyone. And same with training as well, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people like running and their body reacts better to running. Other people, different stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm. What's been the hardest thing about being a parent, mate? Uh, it's probably It probably really kicked in after Cora, to be honest. It was probably more of an adjustment for me after the second uh, which Abby definitely would have felt after the first. Mm. Um, but it's just the, the lack of breaks to just go yep. take a breath. Mm. Um, you know, let alone like, you know, I'd said before about, you know, your private time and what you want to do, you know, say I wanted to play three hours of PlayStation and that's what I'm used to doing. It's not just that it's that, you know, if you want to just go sit and breathe and think, and you've got something that you need to do and you've got a baby and they don't care obviously um you know like say you've got a form that you need to fill out or someone needs you to sit down and talk to them on the phone and you need to get your medicare sorted yeah they don't care so um you know those little things and i'm a big like i love crossing things off lists it's one of my little things that i like to create lists and i like to cross that list out so when i can't cross those things off and it builds on me Mm -hmm. um you know i need some time to think um but again like abby's been a great driver in that in being like you know we need to find ways to you know however you want to say it fill your cup empty your cup um you know find a way to to get that moment to yourself and breathe and think and plan yeah and how do you deal with that do you get really frustrated do you get angry at the kids for instance if you you've got to fill these forms in do you just say osla just sit there (laughs) do you lose it or do you always remain calm uh yeah i don't really take it out on them um just abby yeah (laughs) uh no i think we we try to we call each other out pretty quickly on attitude um you know if we get chippy with each other you know i think we both know why um but at Mm. the same time we call it out because we know it's not really appropriate um it's just kind of about like planning and communicating and i know that's probably one thing that breaks down super quickly yeah you know especially when you're not used or you're a young parent you're not used to it um you know the communication drops and you just get frustrated you stop talking you stop planning um but you have to plan more you know like i say to abby i need to fill this form out today and we need to find a way and if that means i can get you free this morning so that i've got this afternoon that i you know like that's the planning that you need to do sometimes on a daily basis it's the same with me, mate. Like ten week old baby, like you just don't make a lot of progress, do no. you? No. And it's like far out. How do I even fill out a form? Yeah. You've got to put in our calendar. We have a shared calendar. Fill out a form. Block away half an hour. It's that's true. bizarre, but that's the yeah. biggest thing I've noticed. You can't make progress unless you really put that planning into it. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you do it? Do you have a shared calendar as well, Mitch? How do you? <laughs> we do. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a bit old school. I like the fridge. Um, yes, yes, we've got the fridge calendar. <laughs> Abby really really wants to do more the the iPhone yeah. um, calendar and I'm not against it. I just I'm I just again I love writing it out and I love crossing it off. So um, mm. I like writing it out on a calendar manually, um, and then in my head I think I imprint to the schedule that way. Mm. On the flip side of that, what's the best thing about being a dad? Uh, from an athlete's perspective, um, it's that it's the ultimate like perspective on life and sport. Um, you know, you come home and a lot of different guys told me this before, like when Abby was pregnant, they were kind of saying, you're going to love it. Not just for this reason, but you know, you come home from a game, you've had the worst game of your life. And previously it's like, I'm, I like to think about that. I like to watch a video. I'll go home, watch the game right away, whether it was good or bad. I want to go watch the game and get my second opinion on it. Um, and like, if you've played a horrible game or you've had a bad day, or you want to do is sit in your sorrows and think about it and, um, vent about it. And like, Instead, you come home and the kids are just like, they don't care. Yeah. And that has been the ultimate refresher sometimes when you just have that horrible game or a really bad practice and you just want to go 
um, sit down and lie down and you come home and instantly you just have to get off it because they need your attention and they need your energy. And I think that's a really healthy thing. But as a person, um, it, it's just been uh, awesome. Like it, you can literally, like it can be a really, really hard day. Um, you know, they can be unhappy, they can be upset all day and they're just, they can't communicate yet. You mm-hmm. don't know what they want and then they smile and it's all over. Um, and yeah, that's just, it's life changing in that sense. It's just you, you, your priorities just completely shift. So good. Like, um, you've probably got a, like a mentor or someone you look up to in regards to the basketball, basketball arena. What about in regards to parenting? Is there a mentor or someone that you really like go to? Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say directly in terms of like someone I always reach out mm. to. Um, obviously my parents, um, my dad lost his dad at a really early age. Um, so I think, and his upbringing was, let's say non-traditional. Um, but I think he, uh, as a grandfather is, you can just see how much he's enjoying it. Um, and we, we weren't obviously able to get Oslo around mm. him a lot early on. He was in Brisbane, but just when, whenever they're together or, you know, he came to visit recently and you could just see the joy, like just holding Cora or playing with Oslo and just how happy that makes him. Um, so, and, and I love that, you know, that kind of shows me like just the energy, the more energy you put into them, the positivity, they just, you know, they give it back and they just want to, to build relationships with you. Um, so I love that. There's a guy, um, David Barlow who played with me in Melbourne at Melbourne United. Um, and they've got three kids. His wife is Tiwi. Um, and they were incredibly nice, not only to me, but to yeah. Abby you know, kind of welcoming her in early on. And, um, I know Abby look, you know, looks up to Tiwi and talks to Tiwi all the time about parental advice and what she does as a mum. And I like their approaches on a lot of different things. Um, You know, they're they're very much like talk about feelings and talk about, um, you know, why their kids are doing something and explain Mm. things to them logically. Um, And yeah, they're they're logic based. You know, they're very much not just like I'm going to get angry at them because they're doing that. They want to find out why. Why are you feeling that way? Let's talk about that. I think we've learned a lot from them in that sense. Awesome. We had a question from last week's guest, Julia, which I absolutely love this question. Um, it's a pretty, bit of a tricky one. I had to think about it during the week. And um, yeah, we'd love to get your answer on it, mate. Sure. So is there anything that your parents did as um, uh, you know, parents to you that you swore you'd never do as a father <laughs> and you found yourself doing it? Oh, um, Sounds like you had a pretty good uh, childhood and some, I, some great parents. It I might did. Be a tough one. Um, I mean, I got spanked. Um, we don't <laughs> spank our kids, uh, but I definitely got spanked. Um, that's, uh, I think the other thing is probably like, um, the, around the food thing, Abby's quite, um, particular about and, and not wanting to, uh, say like good job for eating. Okay. Um, you know, I think, and again i'm not an expert on this stuff but uh, it's supposed to help to just be like food is food we're not necessarily like saying good job bad job for eating certain things it's just like we just want you to eat and not be afraid to eat if you're hungry and etc etc so we're trying really hard to be strict with ourselves on that Mm. and and not just like no you didn't eat that so you can't eat you know right um good food habits i suppose um and i still find myself sometimes like just wanting to say like and like my parents say abby's parents say it where like they pick up and they start eating you go oh good boy good boy you know like and sometimes i do it i'm like oh i'm not supposed to say that sorry like i'm I'm happy you're eating dinner um and not leaving it cold but yeah something like that is really hard like those little things where it's like no like i understand the logic it's just so ingrained in me to be Mm. like you're eating dinner i like that good job um that's something i have to hardwire into myself to to not do yeah 
Um, life after basketball. Now, is this something that sort of concerns you? Is it something you think about now you're a father that you want to um, obviously set your family up? You've got a limited career as a basketballer. Mm-hmm. Is it something you think about a lot? And what is next? It is. Um, I think, as I mentioned before, I think we've got our city that we want to live in, um, at least for the time being. Um, and there's a few different things in the works in terms of what I want to do. I'm not a hundred percent set on it. Um, I run a basketball academy in Brisbane. Um, I've got some people up there that run it for me. Um, and I run the business side of things. Um, I'd love to start that up here, but I'm also not all in on that in terms of commit, like well, commitment, but like financially, it's not like I've put all our savings into that. It kind of just is what it is. Um, so I don't have to start it and I'm willing to just take a nine to five if that's the best thing for our family. Um, it's kind of hard to plan and set things up because I don't know if my career will finish here in Adelaide. Yeah. I'd love it to, but um, it just doesn't always work that way in pro sports. So um, you have to be adaptable and it's it's hard to set down roots sometimes without sacrificing the last couple of years of your career. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah. And you've given us a lot of takeaways today that people can work on. As a father now, what are some of the takeaways you can give us to, to remain fit whilst being a father other than walking around the streets with babies strapped to you and pushing one um yeah don't recommend them that you're gonna get a bad back um <laughs> honestly like just I, I think the biggest thing that i've learned and i'm still learning so i don't want to come across as if i'm telling you what to do but um the biggest thing i've learned is that like your mindset and your attitude towards it just changes the the whole experience and uh, i know that sounds simple but if you go into say for example like when i strap Corey to my chest and I put Oslo in the stroller I can look at that as something I have to do and I hate this and Mm. I don't want to go for a walk and I don't want to go to the playground again um, because we went there yesterday and he wants to climb on the monkey bars and he might hurt himself I can look at it that way or I can look at it as like this is going to be his favorite part of the day yeah and Cora needs to sleep somehow and it's going to be good for her to get this 40 minutes on my chest and um changing that mindset of like that's what they need so I should be excited about that um has kind of made a big difference and that's why I'm actually really willing to per se like go on all these walks in the morning and uh you know we do the coffee run one of us does the coffee run every morning to get them out and about and walking we do it every afternoon if we can as well take him to the playground get him to the park and get him out and about that's probably the the biggest advice i would have is like don't look at it as these kids these kids again it's like they need you more than anyone just to give them that energy fantastic and a question for next week mate um what what do you want to know from our next week's guest um i would love to hear uh more about uh, just different like situations that they had to deal with, uh, unique situations that they had to deal with. Um, like my life is again, sometimes controlled in terms of schedule, uh, work. Like I don't per se, I can't choose to not go to training or I can't choose to not go to game. You know, I can't just say, Oh, I I need to take this day off. So I'll work extra on Saturday. My life doesn't work like that. Um, so when you guys were talking about, you know, he made a, a decision to not do that on the day or not take the Saturday because that was good for his family. Like I love hearing that, but yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. Beautiful. Cool. Mitch, thanks so much for opening up to us and for coming on the podcast. You've given us so many takeaways and uh, we really appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, man. Cheers. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to follow us on Instagram, give us a like, subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and remember, share this episode with any of your friends or family. Thank you. See you next week.